Section six of Porgy by Tobose Hayward. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Denise Ray. Part five. Fish running well outside the bar these days, remarked Jake one evening to several of his seagoing companions. A large, bronze-colored negro paused in his task of rigging a line and cast an eye to see through the driveway. "'And we men's best make the malls of it,' he observed. "'Dem September storm doon soon, and fish ain't like it's east wind and muddy water.' Jake laughed reassuringly. "'Go long with you. Ain't you done know we had one stiff gale last summer, and he never came to your hand running?' his wife came toward him with a baby in her arms and giving him the child to hold took up the mess of fish which she was cleaning in a leisurely fashion if you ain't man's enough to clean fish no faster than that you best mind the baby and give him to a woman for clean she said scornfully as she bore away the pan the group laughed at that jake's somewhat shamefaced merriment rising above the others he rocked the contented little negro in his strong arms and followed the retreating figure of the mother with admiring eyes all right men's he said returning to the matter in hand i'm all for riding luck far as he will tote me turn out at four to-morrow morning and we'll push the seagull clean to the blackfish banks before we wets the anchor i got a feeling in my bones that we're going to be gunnels under with the pure fish when we comes in to-morrow night the news of jake's prediction spread through the negro quarter other crews got their boats hastily in commission and were ready to join the mosquito fleet when it put to sea on the following morning when the sun rose out of the atlantic the thirty or forty small vessels were mere specks teetering upon the water's rim against the red disk that forged swiftly up beyond them afternoon found the wharf crowded with women and children who laughed and joked each other as to the respective merits of their men and the luck of the boats in which they went to sea clara jake's wife sought the head of the dock long before sundown and sat upon the bulkhead with her baby asleep in her lap occasionally she would exchange a greeting with an acquaintance but for the most part she gazed towards the harbour mouth and said no word to any one she's always like dat a neighbour informed a little group a conjure woman once tells she jake gonna get drowned and she ain't have no happiness since except when he feet is hitting the dirt presently a murmur rose among the watchers out of the harbour mouth against the thin greenish blue of the horizon appeared the mosquito fleet driven by a steady breeze the boat swept towards the city with astonishing rapidity warm sunlight flooded out of the west touched the old city with transient glory then cascaded over the tossing surface of the bay to paint the taut cup sails salmon pink as the fleet drove forward directly into the eye of the sun almost before the crowd realized it the boats were jibing and coming about at their feet each jockeying for a favorable berth under the skillful and daring hand of jake the seagull took a chance missed astern by a hairbreadth jibed suddenly with a snap and boom and ran in directly under the old rock steps of the wharf a cheer went up from the crowd 
Never had there been such a catch. The boat seemed floored with silver which rose almost to the thwarts, forcing the crew to sit on gunnels or aft with the steersmen. Indeed, the catch was so heavy that as boat after boat docked, it became evident that the market was glutted and the fishermen vied with each other in giving away their surplus cargo so that they would not have to throw it overboard. By the following morning, the weather had become unsettled. The wind was still coming out of the west, but a low, solid wall of cloud had replaced the promising sunset of the evening before and from time to time the wind would wrench off a section of the black mass and volley it with great speed across the sky to accumulate in unstable pyramids across the sunrise but the success of the day before had so fired the enthusiasm of the fishermen that they were not easily to be deterred from following their luck and the first gray premonition of the day found the wharf seizing with preparation clara with the baby in her arms accompanied jake to the pierhead she knew the futility of remonstrance but her eyes were fearful when the heavy black cloud swept overhead once when a wave slapped a pile and threw a handful of spray in her face she moaned and looked up at the big negro by her side but jake was full of the business in hand and besides he was growing a little impatient at his wife's incessant plea that he sell his share of the seagull and settle on land now he turned from her and shouted all right men's he bestowed a short powerful embrace upon his wife with his eyes looking over her shoulder into the atlantic's veiled face turned from her with a quick nervous movement and dropped from the wharf into his boat standing in the bow he moistened his finger in his mouth and held it up to the wind you men's best get all the fish you can to-day he admonished wind be in the east by to-morrow it gets that wet taster un now one by one the boats shoved off and lay in the stream while they adjusted their spirit sails and rigged their full jibs abeam like spinnakers for the free run to sea the vessels were similar in design the larger ones attaining a length of thirty-five feet they were very narrow and low in the waist with high king bows and pointed sterns the hulls were round-bottom and had beautiful running lines the fishermen who were also the designers and builders taking great pride in the speed and style of their respective craft the boats were all open from stem to stern and were equipped with thunhole pens for rowing an expedient to which the men resorted only in dire emergency custom had reduced adventure to commonplace yet it was inconceivable that men could put out in the face of unsettled weather for a point beyond sight of land and exhibit no uneasiness or fear yet bursts of loud loose laughter and snatches of song blew back to the wharf long after the boats were in midstream the wind continued to come in sudden flaws and once the little craft had gotten clear of the wharves the fleet made swift but erratic progress there were moments when they would seem to mark time upon the choppy waters of the bay then suddenly a flaw would bear down on them whipping the water as it came and filling the sails would fairly lift the slender bows as it drove them forward by the time that the leisurely old city was sitting down to its breakfast the fleet had disappeared into the horizon and the sun had climbed over its obstructions to flood the harbor with reassuring light 
the mercurial spirits of the negroes rose with a genial warmth forebodings were forgotten even clara sang a lighter air as she rocked the baby upon her lap but the sun had just lifted over the eastern wall and the heat of noon was beginning to vibrate in the court when suddenly the air of security was shattered from the centre of town sounded the deep ominous clang of a bell at his first stroke life in catfish row was paralyzed women stopped their task and not realizing what they did clasped each other's hands tightly and stood motionless with strained listening faces twenty times the great hammer fell sending the deep full notes across the city that was holding its breath and counting them as they came twenty said clara when it had ceased to shake the air she ran to the entrance and looked to the north almost at the end of vision between two buildings could be seen the flagstaff that surmounted the custom house it was bare when she looked just a thin bare line against the intense blue but even as she stood there a flicker of color soared up its length then fixed and flattened showing a red square with a black center my god she called over her shoulder it's the truth that's the hurricane signal on top the custom house bess came from her room and stood close to the terrified woman that can't be so she said comfortingly ain't you remember the last hurricane how it took two days to blow up now the sun out bright and the cloud all gone but clara gave no sign of having heard her come on in urged bess if you don't start to get your dinner you won't have nothing for the men's when they gets in after a moment the idea penetrated and the half-dazed woman turned towards bess her eyes pleading you come with me and talk a lot i ain't like to be all alone now sure i will replied the other comfortingly i mind the baby for you and you can be getting to dinner clara's face quivered but she turned from the sight of the far red flag and opened her door for bess to pass in after the two women had remained together for half an hour bess left the room for a moment to fetch some sewing the sun was gone and the sky presented a smooth leaden surface she closed the door quickly so that clara might not see the abrupt change and went out of the entrance for a look to see like the sky the bay had undergone a complete metamorphosis the water was black and strangely lifeless thin intensely white crests rolled the low pointed waves and between the opposing planes of sky and sea a thin westerly wind thin intensely white crests rolled the low pointed waves and between the opposing planes of sky and sea a thin westerly wind roamed about like a trapped thing and whined in a complaining treble key a singularly clear half-light pervaded the world and in it she could see the harbor mouth distinctly as it lay ten miles away between the north and south jetties that stretched on the horizon like arms with the fingertips nearly touching her eyes sought the narrow opening guiltless of the smallest speck it lit upon utter void it'd take em three hours to make harbor from the banks with go good wind said a woman who was also watching but there ain't no power in dis breeze and it ahead once at dat they can row it in dat time encouraged bess 
and the storm ain't here yet but the women hugged her forebodings and stood there shivering in the close warm air except for the faint moan of the wind the town and harbor lay in a silence that was like held breath many negroes came to the wharf passed out to the pierhead and sat quietly watching the entrance to the bay at one o'clock the tension snapped as though it had been awaiting st christopher's chimes to announce zero hour the wind swung into the east and his voice dropped an octave and changed its quality instead of the complaining whine a grave sustained note came in from the atlantic with an undertone of alarming variations that sounded oddly out of place as it traversed the inert waters of the bay the tide was at the last of the ebb and racing out of the many rivers and creeks toward the sea all morning the west wind had driven it smoothly before it but now the stiffening eastern gale threw it its weight against the water and the conflict immediately filled the bay with large waves that leapt up angry points then dropped back suddenly upon themselves choppy water observed a very old negro who squinted through half-closed eyes dem boats never make headway in dat sea but he was not encouraged to continue by the silent anxious group slowly the threatening undertone of the wind grew louder then as though a curtain had been lowered across the harbor mouth everything beyond was blotted by a milky screen oh my jesus a voice shrilled here he come now let's we go many of the watchers broke for the cover of buildings across the street some of those whose men were in the fleet crowded into the small wharf-house several voices started to pray at once and were immediately drowned in the rising clamor of the wind with the mathematical precision that it had exhibited in starting the gale now moved its obliterary curtain through the jetties and thrust it forward in a straight line across the outer bay there was something utterly terrifying about the studied manner in which the hurricane proceeded about its business it clicked off its moves like an automaton it was destiny worked nakedly for the eyes of men to see the watchers knew that for at least twenty-four hours it would stay moving its tides and winds here and there with that invincible precision crushing the life from those whom its preconceived plan had seemed to mark for death with that instant emotional release that is the great solace of the negro the tightly packed wharf house burst into a babblement of weeping and prayer the curtain advanced to the inner bay and narrowed the world to the city with its buildings cowering white and fearful and the remaining semicircle of the harbor and now from the opaque surface of the screen came a persistent roar that was neither of wind or water but the articulate cry of the storm itself the curtain shot forward again and became a wall gray and impenetrable that sunk its foundations into the tortured sea and bore the laden sky upon its soaring top the noise became deafening the narrow strips of water that was left before the war seemed to shrink away the building huddled closer and waited then it crossed the strip and smote the city from roofs came the sound as though ton after ton of ore had been dumped from some great eminence 
there was a dead weight to the shocks that could not conceivably be delivered by so obstantiable a substance as air yet which was the wind itself lifting abruptly to enormous heights then hurling its full force downward these shocks followed the demonic plane occurring at exact intervals and were succeeded by prying fingers as fluid as ether as hard as steel that felt for cracks in roofs and winds one could no longer say with certainty this which i breathe is air and this upon which i stand is earth the storm had possessed itself of the city and made it its own tangibles and intangibles alike were whirled in a mad inextricable nebula the waves that moved upon the bay could be dimly discerned for a little distance they were turgid yellow and naked for the moment they lifted a crest the wind snatched it and dispersed it with the rain into the warm semi-fluid atmosphere with which it delivered its attack upon the panic-stricken city notch by notch the velocity increased the concussions upon the roofs became louder and the prying fingers commenced to gain a purchase worrying small holes into larger ones here and there the wind would get beneath the tin roll it up suddenly whirl it from a building like a sheet of paper and send it thundering and crashing down a deserted street again it would gain entrance to a room through a broken window and exerting its explosive force to the full would blow all of the other windows outward and commence work upon the walls from within it was impossible to walk upon the street at the first shock of the storm the little group of negroes who had sought shelter in the wharf-house fled to the roll even then the force of the attack had been so great that only by bending double and clinging together were they able to resist the onslaughts and traverse the narrow street porgy and bess sat in their room the slats had been taken from the bed and nailed across the window and the mattress bundled into a corner and had been preempted by the goat bess sat wrapped in her own thoughts apparently unmoved by the demonic den without porgy's look was one of wonder not unmixed with fear as he peered into the outer world between two of the slats the goat blessed with an utter lack of imagination revelled in the comfort and intimacy of his new environment expressing his contentment in suffocating waves after the manner of his kind a kerosene lamp without a chimney smoking straight up into the unnatural stillness of the room cast a faint yellow light about it but only accentuated the heavy gloom of the corners from where porgy sat he could catch glimpses of what lay beyond the window there would come occasional moments when the floor of the storm would be lifted by a burrowing wind and he would see the high naked breakers racing under the sullen pail of splume and rain once he saw a derelict go by the vessel was a small river sloop with its rigging blown clean out a man was clinging to the tiller one wave larger than its fellows submerged the little boat and when it wallowed to the surface again the man was gone and the tiller was kicking wildly oh my jesus have a little pity the watcher moaned under his breath later a roof went by porgy heard it coming even above the sound of the attack upon the row and it filled him with awe and dread he turned and looked at bess 
and was reassured to see that she met his gaze fearlessly down the street the roar advanced growing nearer and louder momentarily surely it would be the final instrument of destruction he held his breath and waited then it thundered past his narrow sphere of vision rolled loosely it loomed to the second-story windows and flapped and tore at the buildings as it swept over the cobbles when a voice could be heard again porgy turned to his companion you and me bess he said with conviction we show is a little something at all after that they sat long without exchanging a word then porgy looked out of the window and noticed that the quality of the atmosphere was becoming denser the spume lifted for a moment and he could scarcely see the tormented bay i think it must be most night he observed Day ain't much light now on the outside of this storm he looked again before the curtain descended and what he saw caused his heart to miss a beat he knew that the tide should be again at the ebb for the flood had commenced just after the storm broke but as he looked the water which was already higher than a normal flood lifted over the far edge of the street and three tremendous waves broke in rapid succession sending the deep layers of water across the narrow way to splash against the wall of the building this reversal of nature's law struck terror into the dark places of porgy's soul he beckoned to bess his fascinated eyes upon the advancing waves she bent down and peered into the gloom oh yes she remarked in a flat tone it bent this way in the last great storm de wind holler de water in de jetty mouth so he can't get out didn't he pile up another tide on him suddenly an enormous breaker loomed over the backs of its shattered and retreating fellows the two watchers could not see its crest for it towered into and was absorbed by the low-hanging atmosphere yellow smooth and with a perpendicular slightly concave front it flashed across the street and smote the solid wall of the row they heard it roar like a mill race through the drive and flatten hissing in the court then they turned and saw their own door give slightly to the pressure and a dark flood spurt beneath it and debouch upon the floor bess took immediate command of the situation she threw an arm about porgy and hurried him to the door she withdrew the bolt and the flimsy panels shot inward the court was almost totally dark one after another now the waves were hurtling through the drive and impounding in the walled square the night was full of moving figures and cries of fear while out of the upper dark the wind struck savagely downward with a powerful swing bess got porgy to a stairway that providentially opened near their room and leaving him to make his way up alone she rushed back and was soon at his heels with an armful of belongings they sought refuge in what had been the great ballroom of the mansion a square high-ceilinged room on the second story which was occupied by a large and prosperous family there were many refugees there before them in the faint light cast by several lanterns the indestructible beauty of the apartment was evident while the defacing effects of a century were absorbed in shadow the noble open fireplace 
the tall slender mantel with its grecian frieze and the intricate scroll-work the high-panelled walls were all there and then huddled in little groups on the floor or seated against the walls with eyes wide in the lantern shine the black fear-stricken faces like the ultimate disintegration of a civilization there it was and upon it as there to make quick work of the last tragic chapter the scourging wrath of the gods white and black the night that settled down upon catfish row was one of nameless horror to the inhabitants most of whom were huddled on the second floor in order to avoid the sea from beneath and deafening assault upon the roof above their heads with the obliteration of vision sound assumed an exaggerated significance and the voice of the gale which had seemed by day only a great roar broke up in the dark into its various parts human voices seemed to cry in it and there were moments when it sniffed and moaned at the windows once during a silence in the room a whinny was distinctly heard dat my old horse wailed peter he done dead in the stall now and dat he voice going by oh my god they all wailed at that and porgy remembering his goat whimpered and turned his face to the wall then someone started to sing i got a home in the rock don't you see with a feeling of infinite relief porgy turned to his jesus it was not a charm that he sought now for the assiduing of some physical ill but benign power vaster perhaps even than the hurricane he lifted his rich baritone above the others oh between the earth and sky i can see my saviour die i got a home in the rock don't you see then they were all in it heart and soul those had fallen into a fitful sleep awoke rubbed their eyes and sang hour after hour dragged heavily past outside the storm worked its will upon the defenceless city but in the great ballroom of catfish row forty souls sat wrapped in an invulnerable garment they swayed and padded and poured their griefs and fears into a rhythm that never missed a beat which swept the hours behind it into oblivion and that finally sang up the faint gray light that penetrated the storm and told them that it was again day about an hour after daybreak the first lull came like the other moves of the hurricane it arrived without warning one moment the tumult was at its height the next there was utter suspension abruptly like an indrawn breath the wind sucked back upon itself leaving an aching vacuum in its place then from the inundated waterfront arose the sound of the receding flood the ebb tide was again overdue and with the second tide piled upon it the whole immeasurable weight of the wind was required to maintain its height now with the pressure removed it turned and raced beneath the low-lying mist towards the sea carrying its pitiful loot upon its back to the huddled figures in the great room of the row came the welcome sound as the court emptied itself into the street the negroes crowded to the windows and peered between the barricades at the world without the water receded with incredible speed submerged wreckage lifted above the surface 
the street became the bed of a cataract that formed and boiled on its rush to the sea presently the wharf emerged and at its end even a substantial remnant of the house could be described how it had survived that long was one of the inexplicable mysteries of the storm suddenly peter who was at one of the windows gave a cry and the other negroes crowded above him to peer out the sea was still running high and as a large wave lifted above the level of the others it thrust into view the hull of a half-submerged boat before the watchers could see the wave dropped its burden into a trough but the old man showed them where to look and presently a big roller caught it up and swung it bow on for all to see there was a flash of scarlet gunnel and beneath it a bright blue bird with open wings da seagull cried a dozen voices together my god dat jake boat all night clara had sat in a corner of the room with the baby in her arms saying no word to any one she was so still that she seemed to be asleep with her head upon her breast but once when bess had gone and looked into her face she had seen her eyes wide and bright with pain now the unfortunate woman heard the voices and sprang to the window just in time to see the craft swoop into a hollow at the head of the pier she did not scream out for a moment she did not even speak then she spun around on bess with the dawn of a wild hope in her dark face take care of dis baby till i gets back she said as she thrust the child almost savagely into bess's arms then she rushed from the room the watchers at the window saw her cross the street splashing wildly through the knee-deep water then she ran the length of the wharf and disappeared behind the sheltering wall of the house it was so sudden and tired wits moved slowly several minutes had passed before it occurred to anyone to go with her finally peter turned from the window dat woman ain't ought to be out there by herself," he said who going out there with me now one of the men volunteered they started for the door a sound like the detonation of a cannon shook the building to its foundations the gale had returned smashing straight downward from some incredible height to which it had lifted during the lull the men turned and looked at one another shock followed shock in rapid succession those who stood by the windows felt them give inward and instinctively threw their weight against the frames the explosions merged into a steady roar of sound that surpassed anything that had yet occurred the room became so dark that they could no longer see one another the barricaded windows were vaguely discernible in bars of muddy gray and black deeply rooted walls swung from the blows and then settled slowly back on the recoil a confused sound of praying filled the room and about it shrilled the terror of the women for an appreciable space of time the spasm lasted then slowly as though by the gradual withdrawing of a lever the venomous of the attack abated the muddy gray bars at the windows became lighter and some of the more courageous of the negroes peered out the wharf could be seen dimly extending under the low floor of spume and mist the breakers were higher than at any previous time but instead of smashing in upon the shore they raced straight up the river and paralleled the city as each one swung by it went clean over the wharf obliterating it for the duration of its passage 
suddenly from the direction of the lower harbor a tremendous mass appeared showing first only a vast distorted stain against the gray fabric of the mist then a gigantic wave took it and drove it into fuller view great god almighty someone whispered it's that big lumber schooner broke loose in the harbor the wave hunched its mighty shoulders under the vessel and swung it up up for an interminable moment the soaring bow spirit lifted it until it was lost in mist tons of water gushed from the steep incline of the deck and poured over the smooth black wall of the side as it reared half out of the sea then the wave swept aft and the bow descended in a swift deadly plunge a crashing of timbers followed that could be heard clearly above the roaring of the storm the hull had fallen directly across the middle of the wharf there was one cataclysmic moment when the whole view seemed to disintegrate the huge timbers of the wharf upended and were washed out like straws the schooner rolled half over and her three masts crashed down with their rigging the shock burst the lashings of the vessel's deck load and as the hull heeled an avalanche of heavy timbers took the water the roaring was utter heavy and obliterating the mist closed down again bess turned from the window holding the sleeping infant in her arms raised her eyes and looked full at porgy with an expression of awe on his face the cripple reached out a timid hand and touched the baby's cheek the windows of the great ballroom were open to the sky and beyond them a busy breeze was blowing against its washed and polished expanse gathering cloud remnants into little heaps and sweeping them in tumbling haste out over the threshold of the sea most of the refugees had returned to their rooms where sounds of busy salvaging could be heard porgy's voice arose jubilantly announcing that the goat had been discovered marooned upon the cook stove and that peter's old horse had bellied his whinny and was none the worse for a thorough wetting serena robbins paused before bess who was gathering her things preparatory to leaving the room placed her hands upon her hips and looked down upon her now what we all going to do with this poor motherless child she said addressing the room at large the other occupants of the room gathered behind serena but there was something about bess's look that held them quiet they stood there waiting and saying nothing slowly bess straightened up her face lowered and pressed against that of the sleeping child then she raised her eyes and met the gaze of the complacent older woman what serena saw there was not so much the old defiance that she had expected as it was an inflexible determination and behind it a new-born element in the woman that rendered the scarred visage incandescent she stepped back and lowered her eyes bess strained the child to her breast with an elemental intensity of possession and spoke in a low deep voice that vested her words with sombre meaning is clara come back already since she did and say something about we to y'all about this child she put the question to the group her eyes taken in the circle of faces as she spoke there was no response and at the suggestion of a possible return of the dead the circle drew together instinctively 
very well then said Beth solemnly until she do i going to stand on she last living word and keep this child for she tells she do come back serena was hopelessly beaten and she knew it oh very well she capitulated all i've been going to do was just to provide her with a proper christian reason but if she done give em to you there ain't nothing more i can do i guess end of section six